0: Hello, and welcome to Episode 5 of the Autism News Network Podcast. My name is Dr. Frampton Gwinnett here at the Medical University of South Carolina, and I'm joined today by a very special guest named Josh Miller. Welcome, Josh. Hello. Thank you for being here today. Um, we have um, some exciting topics to cover, and I wanted to thank our audience for joining us. Um, Josh and I have known each other for a long time, and he has um, you know, given his time today to tell us a little bit about his world with autism. And Josh, just to start out, um
1: do you remember how old you were when you first got the diagnosis? Um be honest with you, I don't I know I didn't talk till four, but I'm pretty sure um I'm pretty sure um the doctors were noticing something was wrong before that. Okay. But yeah, keep in mind, um I'm thirty two years old, so this would have been right at the either late eighties, real late eighties or early nineties, so autism back then definition was you you're either low functioning you know the stereotypical kid head banging against the wall right or you you know or you just didn't have it at all you know there was no gray area it was almost like being pregnant you know you either were or you're not
0: gotcha and so um i guess receiving the diagnosis was it kind of confusing it at, at one point
1: well, I mean, from what my mom tells me, because like I said, I have no recollection. Recollection, uh, I can't talk, but sure. I have no memory of it. And, um, but anyway, she she told me that the guy came, the doctor came in. He's like, "Well, he's got autism. Good luck with that."
0: Oh man, yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and that was the way it was back then. And as you mentioned, you started talking when you were about four. And for our audience, um, children who developmental are developmentally. Um, on time, typically say their first word by about one and will say a combination of two words by about age two. And then at age three, they're using two to three word sentences. So to not talk by age four, that was a pretty significant delay. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and <coughs> <coughs> sorry, there we go, I got it. Um, Yeah, and so you had a lot of ground to keep to make up there. And did you do speech therapy or any other therapies through sc-
1: through um, through the elementary school? I went to Fishburn at the time uh-huh. in Hanahan. You remember? And, oh yeah, I, vaguely.
0: Yeah, and what was it like in elementary school for you?
1: I don't. I mean, the only thing I remember about speech therapy because I have a. I mean, is um the only thing I remember about speech therapy is um one of the students was wearing Jurassic Park shoes. Yeah. And do you do you remember? And they were making a noise. So that's the only thing I remember at that. And then other than and then um from what my mom tells me, I don't really remember too much, but um I know she I constantly had a um tendency when she would drop me off to run out into the middle of the street and the Fishburn parking lot was um it was very small. Yeah. And right there on a sharp curve. So I, the principal was always running after me that and my mom, so
0: Because you would be like yeah, I didn't or? I didn't
1: want to go into the building.
0: Okay. Man, so it was not a pleasant thing for you.
1: School really wasn't as a whole. It just it really wasn't. And yeah. I've managed to block a lot of it out and yeah. because it's unpleasant, but yeah, it really wasn't.
0: Yeah. And if it's okay, I was going to ask like was it like bullying or was it teasing?
1: I didn't really the I mean, I didn't really get bullied too much until um until we moved to Alabama because my parents got divorced, and I didn't really take the divorce too well. So that's when I started, you know, trying to commit suicide. And this was back when I was in, oh, I don't know, this was, I, had five, sixth grade,
0: fourth grade. Okay, so even as a youngster, you're experiencing a lot of depression and anxiety, and
1: well, the divorce brought a lot of it out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and you know, I had a crazy father, so. <laughs> <laughs> he made life part my language hell, so yeah, that didn't help. But um, let's see what was I saying? But um, that was the, my first instance of bullying because when I was put on psych medicine, I I ballooned up. Okay, because that's a side effect, unfortunately, of psych meds. So he had some weight gain. So yeah, and why the kids in Alabama were were making fun of me? That I have no idea because you know Alabama is a very poor state. Right, and a lot—just about every other kid there was a lot overweight. Of <laughs>
0: yeah, so right from the get-go, you're in elementary school, middle school, and you're getting a lot of difficulty from peers, getting teased and bullied. And was it difficult for you to make friends coming up?
1: Um, yes and no. I mean, in middle <clears throat> school, I had the easiest time because I mean, I would be I would be able to. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I mean, I would play tag with the kids there, but I never went to anyone's house. Mm-hmm because I just couldn't do it and I didn't really have a really really bad time with bullying until I'd say I went into high school so right at the ninth grade
0: yeah and throughout your life you've you've had difficulties with being depressed and being anxious and um can you take us through like one of those cycles like what's it like for you when you experience it and how, how do you pull yourself out of it
1: um well, I mean, just like you know, just like lately, you know, i've been I've been having been dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety, and my go-to thing every time I would feel this way would be to the stress would get so much because to me, I consider depression like a black hole. Mm-hmm. You know it slowly pulls you in till you get to the point of no return to where it just sucks, you know you can't get out of it. And usually my point of no return would be I would try to commit suicide in one form or another because just the emotions and everything was just too much. But ever since I've had the TMS treatment, you know, I I haven't really – I mean, there are times I, you know, not think about, like, you know, I'm going to do this and that. But, you know, the thoughts will quickly cross into my mind, like, you know, you know, like, you know, I I wish I wasn't alive. But I've trained myself to, you know, as soon as I – you know, notice that, right. I pull up, yep. you know, almost like an airplane going down, and I manage to pull up, you know, try not to dwell on it. And I credit the TMS mainly for that.
0: Yeah, so TMS is transcranial magnetic stimulation. And so you had that, and um, that is an FDA-approved de- uh, depression treatment using a magnet, which is placed on top of the skull. And so you you respond to that pretty robustly.
1: Oh, yeah, because... um. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no medicine in this world that is a cure-all. There's no magic wand, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But what that did for me is that allowed me to be able to notice things when I get, you know, when I go into a nosedive, I yeah. start to notice it earlier on before yeah. I get to the point where I'm wanting to, you know, take a bunch of medicine to opt out. N- yeah, and and you know, so that's you know, that's what I I, re- I really credit it because not like now, you know, I'm depressed and lonely and anxious, but. I'm able to, you know, catch myself, you know, to keep from c- crashing.
0: Exactly. And and you and I have had a lot of conversations about when those moments are coming. A lot of times you try to distance yourself from others so that you don't kind of drag them down with you. Can you take us through that thought process?
1: Well, I mean, I've always struggled with friends because, I mean, at the end of the day, I am my own worst enemy. <laughs> aren't we
0: all you're in good company there
1: (laughs) i mean you know i just and you know i'm not a happy person uh, no matter how much i wish i was i mean i could be in in paradise and i would inadvertently find you know something to that i don't like about it Mm -hmm. i'm always the glass half empty versus Mm -hmm. the glass half full right and um you know so when i start to feel that way you know i don't want to drag people down with me because you know, because, you know, I have two brothers and neither one of them talks to me, you know, and I've, you know, part of my language, but I made their life hell, you know, inadvertently because, you know, I, I unfortunately took up a lot of the attention that my, that my mom had because, because of my autism. So, you know, because my mom's a single mother, you know, there's only one of her. So you know, they unfortunately got the um, the short end of the stick, if you will.
0: Yeah, do, do they still, like, do you feel like they actively hold it against you, or do you feel like it's kind of unspoken?
1: No, they they hold it against me.
0: That's a shame. And, you know, that, that we do see that siblings need a lot of support as well because, you know, typically the individual with autism is kind of like the, quote, identified patient, and they get a lot of resources and attention. But it really um, is a condition that affects the entire family. Um, and the whole family needs support, but they, they haven't, to this point, reached out for any support sounds like
1: well i mean my brother he, um i don't want to talk too much about him but um you know he's got his own issues and you know just i mean it's, it's unfortunate you know i i always love him and uh, well always will but unfortunately because of my autism he got you know i required more attention and my mom at the end of the day is only one person
0: yeah um so making friends and keeping friends is oh that yeah, yeah you, but we you, were. you've had to work on that over your life
1: because I mean when I start because of the, yeah that's where I was going with my brother because of um you know because of that you know my autism that's why I'm not you know some the, that's why um you know it's hard for me to accept and be proud of my autism like these other people are because you know a lot of people will say it's a gift and everything but to me, from my own personal experience, it's you know, I've seen what what it can do to the family as well. It's not all you know rainbows and butterflies like on The Big Bang Theory. Right. There are some you know, just like with any you know, mental health type thing, you know, there's a, it's, there's always a dark side to it. I mean, you know, sure. there's you know, with anything. So you know, that's why I have a hard time accepting it because, I, you know, I feel like I've done a lot of damage to my family. You know, I feel like I took a lot of the attention that my other siblings needed. You know, and because of that, because of the way it hurt my siblings, I, I don't want to hurt other people because I feel like I'm an empath. You know, I take everyone's emotions into myself. So I don't want to hurt other people. So when I get to be, notice myself in a spiral, you know, I just want to I, I tend to alienate people because, you know, they got their own problems, especially yeah. other people, you know, with autism. You know, I don't want to drag them down with me. Yeah. Almost like a drowning person in the sea, constantly, you know, grabbing someone and then they yeah. end up killing the other person.
0: Exactly. And it's a very selfless thought to think, okay, if I'm going to go down, I don't want to take people with me. And you and I have talked sometimes too about um, how, like, let's say, I think about the Jewish community because let's say there's a a death in the family, and I've I've watched Jewish families come together and sit shiva for days at a time to support the family who's lost a loved one, to talk, to eat, to cry, to hug, and to pray together. And we really are all social beings. And yet with autism, there's a tendency, maybe when things go poorly, to try to distance oneself rather than reach out for more support um and that's do you feel like that's uh, you're hesitant to reach out for support when things are not going well
1: i mean to um to other friends i mean not to medical professionals but yeah. to um to, to non-medical professionals ex- yeah uh, bear with me no, you're <laughs> i good. hate when my mind you're all good. thinks faster than my mouth can ca- than speak sure with medical professionals no i don't push them away but with other non-medical people, like friends or acquaintances, yes, I, I do tend to push them away. Yeah. Because I don't want to hurt them by, you know, because I have a tendency to, you know, to, I feel like, you know, maybe it's in my head, but I have a tendency to suck people down with me because I've done it with my brothers. But, you know, I don't want to do that to other people.
0: Yeah, we, we had mentioned before in a previous podcast, complete the sentence if you can remember. Uh, a friend is someone who knows all about you and
1: chooses to stick around with you or something like that yeah they like you anyway yeah
0: yeah and um i think that's been a hard sell for a lot of the um folks i work with is saying you you are loved you are cared for you do have a support network because they're so used to being alienated and people giving up on them and um it does take time to kind of learn that there is, that you do have a, a group you know
1: well with me personally i mean I mean, I've had a unique life. I mean, most people, you know, when you get to be my age of 32, you've you you've had experience of being friends and everything. Usually, mm-hmm. you've learned those skills through grade school. Yep. But for me, because of my unique upbringing, you know, I was constantly in and out of the, of the psych hospital. So, you know, it's hard to make friends when, you know, because kids, especially back then, really didn't understand it. Right. So you know they don't want to be friends with with the with the different kid that just disappears for you know right for t- for 2 weeks so between that and because I was constantly in and out I didn't really learn the skills you know to learn how to be a friend that most people have right so now I feel like I'm playing catch up at 32
0: exactly and that's
1: i mean there's a lot of things that you know like people do like like date and stuff like that you know they have their first girlfriend in high school i've never experienced that right because again i was too you know emotional wreck to be i was too busy with dealing with that to to have friends or even a relationship
0: yeah and individuals develop at different times you know and, and like you said now you're in a phase of your life where you're um beginning to to realize the importance of friends and making friends and um You've also um, done quite a bit of school. I know some some of your experience has been very positive and some has been not as positive. Do you want to take us through some of the ups and downs of your school career, Um, especially in college?
1: Well, I mean, for college, um, it seems I've had a hard time with um, going into a physical building because when I would go into a physical um, building or college building, you know, it, all schools seem to look alike. You mm-hmm. know, on the inside, you have the top, the stereotypical, you know, standard tile, white tile floors. Yep. And you know the 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 you know this ceiling that, that look like tiles, but you know they're kind of styrofoam like things. Sure. So they all look the same on the inside. So it just seems like when I see that, I instantly get a flashback of being in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on I'm on edge like a cat, you know, getting ready to attack. You know, I'm constantly afraid that the kids are going to start pushing me again or yeah. you know i get have that emotional flashback to wow. where i feel like i'm that small little kid cuz you know i didn't hit puberty yet when i went to ninth grade so i was mm-hmm. a little you know little kid <laughs>
0: yeah
1: <laughs> among all these um all these other teenagers that were going through puberty so you know i just have that emotional flashback so i had a hard time it was a distraction cuz mm-hmm. all the energy of trying to focus on schoolwork was being diverted to for that flight or fight fight or flight yeah, response
0: just making it making it through the system and then
1: so because of that i got overwhelmed with emotions and mm-hmm. i usually had to drop out it seems like like you know lately the only thing that seems to work is i'm taking classes online for okay. medical billing and coding and i'm gonna be honest with you i'm not really a fan of it but you know it's the the classes for you know anything that's 100 online is limited yeah so I went with it, because my mom said that I'd be good at it.
0: Well, as our audience can clearly tell, academically, there are no real challenges for you. I think it's other challenges, like you said, like the environment of the school, maybe the schedule, a new building, dealing with people either in the hallway or in the classroom with the teachers. It's and also dealing with your own expectations.
1: That's another thing, because, you know, I have a 4.0 grade point average right now, but awesome. in my mind you know it's almost like i have a you know stereotypical chinese you know tiger mom if you will on my right. shoulder like well you had a 97 that could have been a 98 right you know I, I don't know why i have that expectation yeah my mom is not like that mm-hmm. she's not but for some reason you know i you know i see something and i could have done better mm-hmm. you know and that just i don't know why and that stresses me out
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, I, and these high expectations where do you think those come from
1: I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I've always had it my whole life. I mean, yeah. even in grade school, you know, I would – I've always wanted to do these extravagant when, – when it was time for us to do a project.
0: Yeah.
1: I couldn't do a simple project. I had to right. go all out. Yeah. I mean, just – and then, you know, I had it all in my head like it was going to look like this movie production thing. Yeah. But I had a tendency to procrastinate because I get overwhelmed. Right. So I would always wait till the last minute. And I mean, literally the night before. My mom, we would all get stressed out trying to do it. You know, so it never quite, you know, it never quite worked out in my head. The finished product was not what was in my head, but I don't know where it comes from. Just like I love to write, but I can never get past the plotting outline of the story because in my mind – when I'm plotting it, it has to be perfect. I don't know why, but it does. And I get so stressed out, you know, trying to make it perfect that I get stressed out, burned out, and, you know, overwhelmed and have to take a nap because I just spent all my energy. It's really bad. Well,
0: well, I think that's where the autism comes into play because there's this, you know, feeling kind of rigid, an all or nothing type of thing, Um, maybe some perfectionistic qualities there. And then, You know, in the end, that exhaustion from being so stressed out about it. And then I think if you do take a break from, like, in that case, the writing and say, I'm going to just take a break from it and put it down for a little bit. Well, there's a sense of, oh, I failed. I failed to realize the dream. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that's what we're... Of course, trying to reverse here at the Autism News Network is say, okay, let's not think about all the things that we've, projects we've stopped and dropped, but let's think about the ones that we finished, you know, and here, here you are today cutting a podcast, you know. (laughs) I wonder if any of your high school classmates have ever cut a podcast. I don't know. Probably not.
1: I don't know. I mean, there was, I think I went to school with, um, with the Smokes guy, that, um, the baseball player. I think I went Uh to school with him. So I'm sure he's done a podcast or two. Yeah. But, um, if he's the person I'm thinking it was, because i blocked a lot of that out. But Yeah. Do, do
0: you ever um, have people tell you that like you have a lot of courage?
1: My mom tells me that, and I know you've told me that, but yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't feel it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, again, I feel like there's stuff in my life I could have done better, and I don't see it as courageous. But
0: Yeah. Well, I'll give our audience just a little glimpse of why Josh is courageous. I mean, to me, courage is like when you're afraid to do something, but you do it anyway— in spite of your fears and um, Josh does that every day and he you know has overcome a tremendous amount even just to be here today I know there was a lot of stress and anticipation of this podcast and um, I think it's going incredibly well you know so it is yeah congrats on that thank you (laughs) yeah yeah Um, and uh, yeah I was going to touch base on um, another topic I had it for a second we have to cut this out Um, what was it
1: uh it was. I don't know. I left my sc- phone on the table. School.
0: Um, well, I can ask you. Um, so with with your like, tell me about the like in the job or in the workforce. You've had a few different jobs. Some of which you loved. And I've some had that, one. Yeah. And
1: no, I've ha- I've worked at. No, I've worked at two. One, the second one was very short. Yeah. One was was
0: one the museum or.
1: Oh no, that was just something. Um an old friend was on was doing yeah it wasn't really his wife didn't really want it (laughs) he wanted it yeah and he was some someone like me to the extent where he had these grandiose ideas in his head and you know just it was hard to put it was hard to make it a reality yeah that and his wife was really being difficult on it because she didn't want it (laughs) yeah so what was the other job you had the jobs i worked at was on I worked for a short time. I worked for a year. That was the longest I've ever worked at Dollar General. Yeah. You know, that lasted a year. What did you do there? I stocked. Okay. And for me, it was hard because I like to. Um, I like a clear cut. You know, job job where a beginning and an end. You know, and with stocking. It just it, There's no end to it. Right. I mean, you're, there's always more product to put on the shelf. Yeah. There's no light at the end of the tunnel because yeah. there is no end to that tunnel.
0: Yeah, it's like a mail carrier where you feel like no matter how good I do today, it's always going to be something else
1: tomorrow. So that was stressful. That yeah. and the fact that the particular the Pacific store that I worked at, we went through, I think, five or six store managers in one year. Yeah. Which was unheard of. Wow. So, and every time you had a new store manager, They had their own individual idea of how they're going to make it better.
0: All that change, yeah.
1: So it was hard to keep up because I don't really like change too much. That's right. I mean, I I feel like if you wind me up, you know, tell me, you know, exactly what I have to do, you know, I'll do it. Yeah. As long as it has a beginning and an end. And, you know, it was hard to do that there. And I got burned out and had to quit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So we've covered some really important topics and talked about family, talked about anxiety and depression. And. Um, how how is it that, despite the ups and downs, that like what is it that you hang your hat on that gets you out of bed every day and says, "Hey, I'm going to give it another shot."
1: Well, I mean, you know, my mom's got a lot on her plate right now, so I mean, I can't, you know, I don't want to do, I don't want to, you know, I feel like if I opt out, you know, that would be too much for her, and I'm not suicidal, but you know that's one thing that gets me out of bed too you know it's just believe it or not i do have hope i want to believe that you know one of these days you know i'll have a friend and eventually you know a, a girlfriend I, that's pretty much what you know helps me get out of bed you know just i have to have hope that eventually you know it'll change
0: absolutely and uh I believe it will. And I believe through all your hard work and perseverance and just your incredible courage and your attitude that you're a huge inspiration to a ton of people. I think people you've met in person, but also hopefully our audience as well um, here on the Autism News Network podcast. I think we're going to wrap it up there. That'll do it. But, uh, Josh, will you come back and see us again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would love that. Uh, We can get into... um, other topics and uh i know you had touched on earlier the south and mental health that's almost a whole podcast to itself isn't it
1: yeah i feel like the two <laughs> best things if, for people who don't know about the south want to know what it's like i mean watch prince of tides yeah and king of the hill yeah because that i feel like those two things explain <laughs> the south especially prince of tides and yeah. mental health and yeah. how we how the south has dealt with it incorrectly yeah <laughs> exactly
0: so we'll plant that seed for the future and hopefully have you come back another time and um josh thanks so much for being here oh thank you all right and that concludes episode five of the autism news network podcast and we hope to talk to you again soon thank you